You're listening to At Large, a global affairs podcast brought to you by China U.S. Focus. Thanks for joining us. And here's your host, James Chow. It's great speaking with you again. This week, I'm over in New Delhi working with health ministers in the region, trying to craft a new health vision for its people over the next years. And it's also somehow appropriate because this podcast is going to look at China and Africa and the FOCAC forum over in Beijing. When you take a scan of the news headlines over the last week, you don't get a sense of what was happening in one part of the world where one continent Africa, one country, China, and together over 2.4 billion people, that alliance being represented by their political leaders. But that's what happened when leaders of 53 African nations came to Beijing. They met for two days and at the core was financial support in how to develop their economies further to meet the challenges in a global society that is underpinned by technology and innovation in a world where terrorism, security, civil conflicts, global health are still the realities of the struggles that many countries and many of those in Africa continue to face. The big headline coming out of it is that the Chinese President Xi Jinping has pledged $60 billion in further aid to the African continent, also inviting its business leaders, its entrepreneurs, to fully take part in the Belt and Road Initiative that China is spearheading. And of course, that involves not only uh, infrastructure projects, which brings together 68 countries, but melting the hard physical borders between them so that mobility and connectivity become the buzzwords for a new era in the global order, or perhaps as some of those most active in this initiative imagine that to be. There is concern, of course, that Africa is merely being drawn into a cycle of debt. Wang Yi, the Chinese foreign minister, probably sensitive to that, spoke out of what the ambitions are for China and the reasons behind them for all. The forum will host 14 sub-forums and side events with key areas covering people-to-people exchanges, poverty reduction, and other cultural areas. The events will fully reflect the all-around and diverse cooperation between China and Africa and galvanize the enthusiasm and confidence for people from all sectors. Win-win cooperation, you're going to hear that through this podcast, is a phrase that the Chinese like to use. And it's invited its own dose of skepticism. We talked about a debt-laden Africa. Is it merely diving back into a relationship where it's repeating a cycle? And when you look at the languages being spoken in Africa today, French, English and Portuguese, it is, of course, a reminder of the continent's painful past. So the valid question here is, is China repeating what came before, perhaps on an even larger scale? This week, the president of Botswana, Mogwitsi Masisi, spoke on that and spoke about the relationship for Botswana and China. Uh, When you look at President Xi Jinping's vision of the future, you know, sharing a common uh, future, um, when you look at uh, his policy of interacting with Africa, in a non-intrusive manner, without conditionalities, it's very attractive 
to adopt that model, to adopt such a partner for our own development. Of course, it's not just the heads of state, but also all the ministers who have been in Beijing this week. Nibigira Azechil, the foreign minister of Burundi, and Manuel Domingos Augusto, the foreign minister of Angola, both spoke. Here's what they said in succession. You'll hear them one after the other, Burundi first, Angola second. This friendship is based on a win-win relationship. So that's why you see uh, the whole all the countries from Africa have come because we have that mutual respect between China and all African countries. Uh, this uh, relation between China and Africa is uh, really unique and we expect that uh, from Beijing we will go back with uh, not only with projects but with the new ideas. This is At Large, your weekly podcast on China, the U.S., and the world. Keep listening. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke to Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, and he was Ethiopia's foreign minister, and just over 12 months ago was elected director general of the World Health Organization. I asked him about China's medical products and its medicines and its wider innovations in research and development. We've been hearing about all these wonderful things that are coming out of China, whether it be WeChat, whether it be Alibaba. And then we hear about how that's now transferring to the medical fields, to science as well. But my question to him was this, is it actually doing anything to help people? Is it serving people, people who belong to vulnerable communities? And I wanted to ask him this not only as an African, but also as a global health chief at a time when a lot of the health pressure still lies in parts of the world like sub-Saharan Africa. Here's what he told me. For instance, China is now number one uh, uh, trade partner with Africa. It's number one investor in Africa. And that really means a lot in terms of even health, because when there is investment and trade, means there is employment. Employment means, on the other hand, food security. It contributes to health. And investment in infrastructure means access uh, to, to health. And in terms of infrastructure, China's investment is, is really high. That was Dr. Tedros, the Director General of the World Health Organization. When I think about China's history with Africa, I think about the Tanzania-Zambia Railway, which opened up in 1975, and that was made possible by China. I use this as an example uh, because it demonstrates what China has been doing in the region, and it gives us another morsel of evidence to explore what its intentions have been All along, the governments of Tanzania, Zambia, China built that railway designed to wipe out the Zambian economic dependence on its neighboring countries. In those days, they were South Africa and Rhodesia, and both of them, of course, were governed by white minority administrations. And this, in a sense, was so important in breaking that dependence and breaking that cycle of colonialism. Harold Wilson was one of the key figures who was against this project. The British Prime Minister uh, looked and noticed, you know, Tanzania's uh, pivot towards China 
uh, all the way back to the 1960s, in fact. And he said that Tanzania was directly in China's pay, that it was subject to its wallet, so to speak. And Tanzania's leader at the time said that while Western nations were quick to complain, they did not offer them any alternative. I was listening to a couple of commentators this week, one of them being Hank Cohen, and he's a fascinating figure in himself. Uh, Ambassador Cohen is a former Assistant Secretary of State for African Affairs. You can find him on Twitter, and he also has his own blog. Both of them are called Cohen on Africa. And he describes himself as an ambassador and advisor to presidents and a near four-decade veteran of the U.S. Foreign Service. And over the years, that experience has allowed him to get close to what he describes as every first-generation leader of Africa, from Mandela to Mobutu to Mama Gaddafi. American officials tell me they don't see China as a threat to U.S. interests. Uh, we're doing our thing in Africa. We have investments. We have uh, commodities. We have aid programs. What they're saying is that the, the Africans need to manage the Chinese presence better. For example, should they be incurring all this debt? Uh, for example, the United States and the Europeans do not lend uh, Africa money you know, for infrastructure or for other aid programs. So the Chinese are still doing that. And uh, are the Africans looking for trouble in the future? So that's an African problem. It's not an American problem. But we worry about that. Some people who are, let's say, anti-Chinese or worry about China as a threat see that in Africa as well. I personally do not. I think China is doing more good work uh, in Africa than negative work. Ni Akweta is an Africa expert. He was in Washington to speak this week as well. He puts the emphasis and the onus of responsibility on Africa and Africans themselves, that he sees this one billion people market, many of them young people, many of them driving the fastest penetration of internet usage in the world as the future and also as the present. He explains it more eloquently. Listen to him here. China's relationship with Africa goes way back. I was born in Ghana. I remember in the 60s seeing Chinese leaders coming through Accra. When the head of China goes to any place, it shines a light on where he is and what he's saying. I'm saying that to say others have also mentioned that the Africans themselves, the African leaders and governments, they need to do their homework even before Chinese leaders come. So they have to be asking, what do we need? As much as there's warm relations between Africa and China and win-win, uh, each country in the world looks after its own interests, number one. So Africans need to be saying, okay, what do we want out of our relationship with China? How do we protect our own interests? At the time of recording this podcast, the FOCAC gathering is still ongoing and more so in the next couple of days, we'll be able to gauge more the reaction from around the world as to what the impact is and will continue to be. So we're going to look at that again, probably in next week's podcast with China and Africa. But also, what are other people saying about that? What about in the United States? We heard a bit there from Ambassador Cohen, who says that America's interests in Africa are still distinct to what China is doing. And that, in a sense, means that they're not in direct competition. But it'll be interesting to hear 
and see what they think about this growing dynamic if you look at this relationship, trade or otherwise, between almost two and a half billion people in our world today. You've been listening to At Large with James Chow. For more episodes, you can go to chinausfocus.com forward slash podcasts. You can also subscribe at Google Play Music, SoundCloud, and more. Thanks for joining us. And thank you for tuning in.